This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Edwin Evers, and you're listening to the Impact Outdoors podcast show. Well, I started a high school fishing team here about two months ago from my local high school. And uh, Derek, it's the most fun I've ever had, like just to interact with the kids, to, you know, my whole goal is to get one kid a scholarship that doesn't play football or basketball or cheerlead. You know, I got girls on the team and uh, it's been a little overwhelming. I've I've got over 50 kids on my team, which is by far the largest in the state. And uh, I love it. It's, uh, we, we practice. Um, you know, almost every week up at the pool, the Olympic-sized pool at the school. Uh, we have some interleague tournaments. We had one just here a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I've got, I've got, I've got a lot of kids, and they are really, really engaged. Hey, everyone! Welcome back to another episode of Impact Outdoors podcast. And on this week's episode, we've got Edwin Evers, the one of the top bass fishing anglers um, in the world. You know, two-time world champion. He's won the Bassmasters Classic, and he's won the Major League Fishing Red Crest, and uh, <laughs> nearly four million dollars in total career earnings over his career. And and Edwin is just doing so many good things um, for fishing. Um, just just such a pleasure to. To meet and talk with him and um, learn a little bit about his growing up and what kind of got him in to the tournament scene and and uh, and what all he's doing now in addition to that, including his his um, ever growing pecan farming business, which is just booming right now up in Oklahoma. And um, so we had a lot of great things to talk about. Talked about a lot about high school bass fishing and stuff. So really excited for you guys to hear this one and uh, really appreciate Edwin taking the time to come on the show. So let's get right into this week's episode with Edwin Evers. Well, uh, I'm excited. Um, we've got a great guest on the show today. I want to welcome Mr. Edwin Evers on Impact Outdoors and uh, happy holidays. And uh, thanks for taking the time to be on today, Edwin. How are you, man? I'm doing really good. Really good. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Well, good, man. Uh, glad we could get this. We, we ran into each other at ICAST again this summer and uh, We've got a bunch of mutual friends, and, and uh, so it's good to 
talk to another Okie up there. Now, you're, where are you at in Oklahoma? You live. I'm about 35 miles north of Tulsa. It's a little town called Talala, just a, basically a speed trap, wide spot in the road. Don't be speeding through there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I live out in the prairie, like it's just, you don't see hardly any houses out, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Just the houses you do see are family. So it's kind of a quiet. Yeah a uh, little slice of heaven out here yeah that's awesome man so have you got to, i've seen some pictures i know you've been doing some hunting this year with your boy and how's that how's that been going pretty exciting uh you know i started kate at a really young age you know we i think he killed his first deer with wade middleton down in south texas a doe yep. he was six it was actually televised you can still see it on youtube it's really pretty cute and uh we've been deer hunting ever since and generally speaking, he shoots a really nice deer, but we never make it past opening day. If we do, he shoots one the next morning. Like that's our longest hunt, like ever. And uh, he's 13 now, eighth grade. And I showed him a bunch of different trail camera pictures. And he said, dad, that's the one I want to kill. And I was like, well, buddy, that he doesn't come around very often. You know, <laughs> you're going to have to be patient. Well, we hunted eight days straight with the exception of Thanksgiving. We came home for a few hours to eat, do the Thanksgiving dinner, me and him loaded back up in the truck, went right back out there the next morning. And, uh, we hunted daylight to dark a couple days. We came out for lunch, um, but went right back into the stand. And on that eighth morning, uh, that buck came out and he made a perfect shot on it. It was a really big nice. old 12 pointer. You know, I, it, I'm just super excited, super proud of him for just being patient and and uh, kind of taking it to the next level of hunting. And and now he's talking that's, about starting to want to shoot a bow. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a lot of that's that's some good patience for a 13 year old. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. My my kids are uh, just turned six. My boy, my daughter will be nine in February. My daughter is definitely patient. You know, and we were just yeah. talking about her getting her first deer, but uh, my boy, he can't sit still for 10 seconds. So. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but man, these kids are such a blessing. And I think that's the coolest thing, you know, for me being a, a, a dad now is, is being able to show them the outdoors and stuff. And that's got to be fun for you. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's like to have that time in the stand with him, like it's und undivided time, you know, no distractions and, and just where we stay. We stay in a little old hotel room. There's no chain, anything. It's a little bitty town. And uh, it's just me and him time every year that I wouldn't trade for the world. So, it, it's yeah. you know, I think we're making some lifelong memories. That's cool, man. That's what it's all about. So, well, um, well, everybody knows you from the fishing world. And, um, I mean, you've, you've made such a, a big impact in the fishing world and done so many great things. You've won pretty much everything there is out there in the bass fishing world. And so congrats on that, man. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you've done and such a successful career, but you've got so many things going on. I mean, you're a pecan farmer now. I mean, you know, how growing up as a kid, I mean, I've heard your story on other shows and stuff, but I mean, looking back now, like, did you ever think this would ever happen? I mean, where you're at in your life, you know, early in my, in my career, I just prayed to pay my bills. That's all I yeah. wanted to do is to pay my bills, pay my mortgage on my trailer house, just to, just to make it like at the end of the month, have enough money to get everything paid, you know, to, and here I am, you know, I don't know, 20 years later. And I just like, wow, just so thankful just to, 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 do something that I love to do for so long and, and to have some success at it. And, uh, you know, the whole pecan farm, uh, that was kind of just a, 
you know, dad always tried to project to me, you know, after fishing and retirement and down the road and, and, uh, you know, he knew my love for hunting and, and being outside and, and, uh, you know, it kind of always stayed in the back of my head and then an auction popped up and I tried to buy a little pecan farm and I lost the auction and, and it just really got my wheels turning when I started doing re research on it. And, and we ended up buying a farm and, uh, made tremendous amounts of improvement. We've, we got over a hundred acres irrigated and, and it's just been a lot of fun for me. And, you know, growing up also, you know, we're talking about my son and you have kids just teaching them work ethic and those kinds of things. I, I really worked uh, looking back I, at the time in my life, I didn't like all the work me and dad did, but looking back, it's probably one of the best things ever. And, and I just, I needed a, a, an avenue to teach my son that work ethic also. So, uh, you know, hopefully through this pecan farm, you know, we can spend a lot of time out there and, and, uh, I guess it's called kid, kid labor, you know, I don't know, but Free it, labor. yeah, it, it, it's a, uh, it's another way we can spend some time together and I'm really proud of them. I mean, we've worked hard and, and uh, I feel like, well, I can just tell you, like I, I had my, my nuts graded the other day by this monster seller. Like he, he grades pecans from all over the country and uh, they they graded 59.7%. And he says he's only graded a 60% nut one time. So, like, they don't get any better than what I took him. So, yeah. uh, you know, and they grade him on meat, size, color, all the things, taste. Uh, so, super excited. I, I, I feel like I've, I've done a lot of research. You know, you think of bass fisherman being a pecan farmer, like, what in the heck do I know? Man, I knocked on every door within – three hours here every pecan farmer and I'd spend days with them and, and develop relationships. And I've, so I, I, I'm not going to ever say I know a lot about pecan farming, but I know more than most people would ever give me credit. I guess I could put it that. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I mean, you grow up in, uh, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma my whole life and, and lived there and, and stuff and pecans. I mean, yeah, you see pecans. You, you, my grandma was always telling me, go get a bag. Let's start picking these up. <laughs> I remember going to school in Stillwater and we'd be going out to Carl Blackwell to fish or something, driving down the back roads. And we'd stop at the pecan trees that were there on the edges of the roads and, and filling yeah. up sacks to take back to my grandma and stuff. And, uh, Made her happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got to have them pecan pies, man. So, <laughs> but yeah, I've had some of yours, man. They're good. I, I got a bunch when, uh, when, your family was down here when the classic came to Conroe and uh, they were at the expo there. So I, I grabbed a bunch there and uh, need to order some more this year. Y'all got some good deals going on right now. I think. Yeah, we do. We do. You better yeah. hurry. Cause we're getting yeah. down low. We, it's been a good year and uh, we got some left though. Yep. So, well, um, well let's, let's kind of jump in, you know, I mean, you played football, you know, growing up and, 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 and went down there at Southeastern stuff. Like how did, you know, how did your fishing passion start, you know, as a kid? <laughs> I don't know. I it started fishing ponds. You know, if you really back it up to my early, early childhood, just fishing ponds, just for whatever reason, I, I love it. I got a dog in a bar. Hey, hush. <laughs> come here. Come here. I got to get him under control before he gets too crazy. But no, I just, I fished a lot of ponds growing up. My dad was in the styrofoam packaging business and a guy by the name of Gary Powell from Kittaquay, Texas, a little West Texas town came to him and asked him to build this one man boat. It looks like styrofoam, but it's, it's called polyethylene or something. It's a, a lot stronger than styrofoam and, and just a, it's a really cool boat. Weighed like 20 pounds and you propelled it with swim fins, a lot like an inner tube. And yep. uh, 
through Gary Powell and him promoting and, and, and building this fishing pal, it was called, you know, we did the honey hole outdoors TV show and we did uh, the Barry Stokes television show and, and he just promoted it. Well, I got to tag along on all these events and my dad didn't fish. My mom didn't fish. So I just, it was really cool for me to get to learn all that from Gary and uh, it just ignited a passion. And, and ever since then, you know, like I, I had a job, you know, dad got transferred to another plant up in Illinois and, and uh, I got a job there to, at a ranger dealership, Bedford Sales outside of Illinois, and, and just learned more about fishing. I'd He'd send me to the airport to pick up Hank Parker. He'd send me to the airport to pick up Guido Hibden as a high schooler, you know. And I here I am sitting with just an all-time all icon right there in the next – in the seat. So I just – I got to meet lots of people and be around the industry. Uh, I'm trying to keep this short, but then, like – then I also loved football, like you said, and uh, I knew – I moved from Texas to Illinois. I did not want to uh, to go to college in Illinois. It's just cold. It was just not very many lakes. I wanted to get back south. I sent some tapes out to some different schools, and I got a few offers. And, and one of the schools that gave me an offer uh, was Tech. You know, right there, twelve miles from Texoma, southeastern Oklahoma State. The campus is exactly twelve miles from the boat ramp. That was like one of the things I looked up when I went down there, <laughs> and uh, you know, just. Started fishing Texoma a bunch and and won a couple boats, you know, there my first couple years and then won a couple more boats. And, uh, man, I just, I was like, I'm going to fish. I just, I can yeah. think I can make a go of this. I was single and didn't have any, any, you know, real responsibilities other than trying to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich twice a day. And, and, and here I am today, this living out a dream. So what did you study in school? What, what was your degree? Uh, communications. I got, I got a, I got a major in communications and I got a, a double major. I got another major in business management and, and a minor in marketing. Yeah. Well, that's worked out well for you. So yeah. all that. So with everything you got going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I was going to try to get my master's, but I'll never forget. I'm sitting there and like, it was a beautiful spring day, you know, everything was just starting to green up and, and, and it was just like, I know the bass are biting today. I know the bass are biting. And I called dad. I was like, dad, I don't think I can get my master's. Like, can I just like, and he let me out of it. And uh, I started fishing really big time then. So, yeah, man. Well, um, yeah, Texoma is hard to pass up. That's a good, like, I, I grew up down there spent a lot of time on that water so um and luckily i got an uncle and aunt that just moved back and lived there on alberta creek so i finally got a place to go fishing again down there so as good as it gets right there <laughs> heck yeah so did you catch a lot of smallmouth on that lake back then when you were when you were there in school or when i was there you know smallmouth were definitely a factor i caught a six pounder there uh and a few five pounders but it was always largemouth fishing i would never yeah. try to go Hey, you know, turn up this weekend. Let's go try to win with smallmouth. I just, I never felt like they were uh, predominant enough to 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 last multiple day events or even count on them. You know, if you practiced on them last weekend and go try to fish term the following weekend, they were just gypsies. You know, they were all over the place. Yeah. You know, I think there's gotten to be a few more of them, but still, I think predominantly everything's one with largemouth there. Yeah, it's all, it's always been a cool lake just because they were there. You know, you never know yeah. when you're really going to catch one exactly. and stuff. But, exactly. uh, um, you know, I think a lot of people are surprised that they're even in that lake. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, that's cool. There's some little, big ones little, in it. Yeah, there's some real big ones in there. So, well, um, well, you know, starting, you know, tournament fishing and stuff like that. And then, and then um, about when did you start going, uh, like competing, like the opens and stuff like that? What time frame was that? So it would have been the fall of 97. 
uh, I entered the uh, Lake of the Ozarks Invitational. And uh, I think that was the one Jay Yellis won. Uh, it snowed and all that. I fished the, the uh, Bass Invitationals for three years. And uh, the May, the, the, the year of 2000, the Invitationals ended in May on the Red River. Uh, and I finished like fifth. And that year I finished second or third in the points, which qualified me to fish back then. It was the top 150s. And uh, that's really how I got my started. I, I entered the top 150s that fall, and the first event was on the James River, and I got my teeth literally kicked in. I finished 100 and something. It was bad. <laughs> Not the James River, the Potomac River. Yeah, the Potomac River. I've never fished the James, but it was the Potomac River. Uh, and so, you know, were you more comfortable fishing, like, the lower part of the country or, like, when you started traveling and, and doing these tournaments all over the place or – like, where's your favorite area to fish now? Now versus then is way different. You know, then I was really green. I, I was pretty stubborn. I wanted to be a Denny Brower and always stay shallow. And, and uh, you know, and I realized really quick that I had to get good, like, in Florida. I had to get good with grass. And, I, you know, I was fortunate enough at the time that I was single and I had a truck camper. I'd spend a month at Toledo Bend. I'd spend two months in, in South Florida just fishing Okeechobee. I mean, I just kind of traveled wherever my weakness was, you know, between tournaments and just find a cheap place to stay with my camper and then and, and fish a bunch. Uh, you know, now for me, I just still have a great love for the Great Lakes. I mean, I just truly love the Great Lakes. Uh, I kind of feel like it's just a little bit of uncharted territory if there was such a thing left, you know, because those fish just don't get fished for like our southern fish. You know, they have such bad weather half of the year up there. And then the other half of the year, a lot of people chase walleye and, and perch and other everything else. You know, there's not as many bass fishermen up there. But I, I love the Great Lakes, but it's also hard to compete with Falcons really good and Rayburn and Toledo Bend and Grand. You know, I, I like all those lakes too. Yeah. Yep, that's cool. So, how would you um, how would you describe like growing up when you were younger? You know, your fishing industry has changed so much as far as gear and stuff like that, and it's just crazy. You know, I mean, um, I mean, what what was your kind of go to baits back then versus now, and and how how do you see this cha this change over the years? I mean, just in the last ten years, the amount of tackle and stuff that's came out the advancements and stuff and you know you always hear people say well it's mostly to catch the fishermen but i know it's not true i mean there's so much science behind this stuff now that, that you're a part of you know i'll never forget i used to buy all those 1970 version bagley you know square bills off ebay i spent lots of money still got them out there and i haven't had one of those in my truck or in my boat in years, you know, it's just something I don't throw anymore. You know, uh, I also remember flipping a tube a bunch, you know, those big fat yeah. tubes, you know, and I haven't, I haven't really done that much. I've done a little bit, uh, you know, but day in, day out, that is one thing that, that, you know, fish still bite a spinner bait. They still bite a, a creature bait or, or, uh, you know, a jig, you know, or, or, or a crank bait, you know, the, the, the basis of the bait haven't changed the, the paint jobs and, and, and the hooks have gotten a lot better and a lot shinier, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, the basis of the baits still are what they were 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, you know, I remember the days of all the, the infomercial baits and stuff, you know, the flying lures and, oh, yeah. and the banjo minnows and all that stuff. And it's like, man, dad, it's like, I need this for Christmas and stuff. And 
and uh, I don't have any more of those any anymore. But I know I dang sure used some some flying some flying lures and yeah. and stuff back in the day. So <laughs> those were those were cool times and stuff. But um, but you know the the biggest thing for me um since I moved down here to Texas, you know I was all freshwater growing up, you mm-hmm. know, did everything, and then you come down here to the saltwater. And uh, where we're at in Galveston, and it's just the whole nother world. You know, everything down here's got teeth for one, yeah, and and wants to eat each other and stuff. But uh, fishing, you know, some of it's the same, and some of it's a lot different. But uh, you ever get to go do um, any saltwater fishing in your spare I, time? If you have any, or I would, I love saltwater fishing. I, I'm fortunate. I've got a, a real good friend in Jeff Lamone down in uh, Louisiana that's got an offshore boat and an inshore boat, and. For sure, once a year I go down and visit him, if not twice or three times. Uh, yeah. I love offshore fishing and, and inshore. I I I, uh, I eat it up. The, but that tuna bite on a top water, I just think that's like bass on steroids, and there's nothing better. Man. Yeah, I'm 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 pumped. I'm going on a, a yellowfin trip next weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm so excited. I'm just praying the weather's good. So. Yeah, awesome. Because <laughs> we had a we had a heck of a trip on there last year, man. The top bar bite was probably the best I'd ever seen. So, um, and I just got a whole new box of stuff. Um, some new top bar lures to try. So I gotta get those rigged up this weekend. So where are you going out of? Uh, well, we're leaving out of Galveston, yeah, mm-hmm. but we usually um, end up going over towards Louisiana. We're doing a private trip with a buddy of mine from up on Lake Tawakney, put a trip together. So we're uh, yeah. like 20 of us on one of the big party boats. We got the whole boat to ourselves. So wow, that'll be that's a, lot, a big boat. Yeah, yeah, it's about a 100-foot boat. So wow. um, it's a lot of fun, a lot of casting rooms. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we had last year, I think we had 47 or 49 yellowfin and i think 40 of them were over 100 pounds like it was epic like usually they're like 60 70 pound class out of here but on that trip you know december is a little bit bigger fish i think but you know majority of them coming on top water was just i was just having fun watching everybody else after i caught mine you know just videoing other people and stuff catching them because people don't realize how long it takes to get in 100 pound yellowfin like oh yeah just reel them in and start and throw again it takes you a while yeah 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 i remember the first time i went tuna fishing and uh believe me i learned my lessons like you need to have some quality gear and a lot of line so um a good drag is a must for these fish because these things are uh, like hooking onto the back of a a mule or something going 90 miles an hour so exactly but but they're fun man and uh um i you know, like I was telling you earlier, it's like I still miss going and fishing salt or freshwater, you know, back home, crappie fishing and stuff. But uh, um, saltwater, man, it kind of gets in your blood and, yeah, and don't want to don't want to let it go. So, but shoot, well, um, so I heard, um, how's your ponds and stuff you've been building? I heard some some stuff about that. You know, how are yeah. those going? Okay, so a little bit of backstory. I applied to the Corps of Engineers. Going on two years ago, I'd like to build a lake. Uh, this was back before all the COVID and the diesel prices got really expensive. Um, but uh, I'm trying to build a 39-acre lake. Well, I've learned through this process there is all kinds of paperwork to go through, endangered species, uh, cultural, archaeological, like the list just goes on and on and on. So I am getting closer to getting this approved. Um, in the meantime... I built personally a couple ponds. I built a, uh, I, I bought a bulldozer 
a few years back and I wanted to, to see if I could build a pond. So I built a, I built a pond that I'm going to stock with smallmouth, put all these cool rock piles in it. And then I built a pond above it that I'm going to uh, uh, just completely try to make it a trophy bluegill pond. Um, see if I can grow a two to three pound bluegill. Uh, and and those have turned out great. I'm sitting here looking at them right out there. They, the problem is, I don't think we've had an inch of rain since May. <laughs> They are saying it's the driest stretch since like 1936 or 37 here in Oklahoma. It's really bad. So uh, I just don't have any water in them yet. I, don't, I can't yeah. even get grass to grow on the pond dams because we haven't had the rain to make the grass to grow. Uh, but once it rains, I'm going to have two really cool ponds. And then here, hopefully shortly, uh, you know, the Corps of Engineers will get all this approved and, and uh, I can get this lake built. That'll be nice to have that right there. Yeah, it will. Cause like the boat ramp will be right here by the house and, uh, uh, it would be awesome. I don't know what else to say. It would yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're not going to have any MLF events there coming up when you get it going. <laughs> I don't know about MLF events, but there'll definitely be some derbies out there between me and friends. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Shoot. Well, talking about major league fishing, how has that been? I mean, that's just been something so cool for the industry and, and, uh, been such a success. And, you know, when I, I met Gary Klein back in, I guess it was about 2014 when he come down and started helping with the, uh, the Texas brigades program down here, we're a part of, and, and, uh, you know, major league fishing was really taking off then and just right. seeing where it was then and where it is now. It's just, right. it's huge. It's pretty amazing. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's definitely growing and growing in a lot of different directions. They just started the team series this fall, which will air this spring. Um, that was probably some of the funnest fishing I've ever done in my life. And, and just a little bit about it. I actually am wearing a headphone and I'm connected to my two teammates and you're all the time talking like, man, I just got a bite or, or how are you working that bait? Or, or, you know, a buddy might be reeling them in and you're like, get him, get him, get him, you know, and we're all the time, there's nonstop talking because you're trying to encourage and, and, and help your teammates to catch fish. So it's really intriguing, really, uh, it's going to be super informational for the viewer because you're going to like, there's nothing that anybody holds back, man. I'm, I'm pausing, twitching, doing this with my bait to get these bites because you're trying to get your teammates to bite it. You know, the viewers never got that information before because we just don't say it to the camera because we're thinking about it. You know, now yeah. everything we're thinking, we're actually telling our teammates because we want them to uh, to catch them as well so the team can win. So it's been a lot of fun doing that. It's going to be a lot of fun going forward as that evolves. Uh, you know, the Bass Pro Tour now has gone back to a five-fish limit, um, and I kind of understand why. You know, I, I'm – also don't like it because I knew how hard and, and the intensity that every fish counts. But, you know, when we started that every fish count thing, there was a, there was some technology that was supposed to come along with it that has never come to fruition. And uh, it would have enabled everybody to fish under that format. Um, and, and so we've kind of lost touch. I feel like maybe with, with uh, some of our core audience because they can't fish our format 
Um, mm -hmm. And if we don't get that technology, there's really no sense in us separating from the core. So, uh, you know, going to that five fish format, which will be be really interesting. It'll allow us to throw some bigger baits, swim baits, you know, get back to, to uh, getting five quality bites a day. So kind of looking forward to that and the schedule that we have upcoming. So it'll be, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Yeah. And when does that, I mean, when does y'all season kick off this next spring? Uh, we're going to uh, Lake Toho Kissimmee towards the end of February, which will be okay. kind of exciting because that's what we normally go down there in January or the first of February. So this will be about three weeks later than normal, uh, which could be really epic and off the charts. So really kind of looking forward to that. And then we'll go to Redcrest there at Lake Norman. Uh, and then I'd have to get my phone out to see where the next one is. Yeah. Uh, we could just go from there, you know, every couple of weeks we're somewhere. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been cool to see and, and stuff and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's so many, so many tournament trails around the country, you know, I mean, saltwater, freshwater and stuff, but, you know, looking, looking at it now with the, the influx of all the possibilities for, for the younger generation to get involved with fishing through right. the high school fishing teams and, and now, all these collegiate teams like this wasn't even around when I was in, in college, you know, it started right after I was like, man, what, you know, what, what might have happened, you know, if this was available back then, but kind of what's your thoughts on all that? Well, I started a high school fishing team here about two months ago for my local high school. And, uh, Derek, it's the most fun I've ever had, like just to interact with the kids to, you know, my whole goal is to get one kid a scholarship that doesn't play football or basketball or cheerlead you know i got girls on the team and uh it's been a little overwhelming I've, I've got over 50 kids on my team which is by far the largest in the state and uh i love it it's uh we we practice um you know almost every week up at the pool the olympic size pool at the school uh, we have some interleague tournaments we had one just here a couple weeks ago um uh, but i've got i've got I, i've got a lot of kids and they're really really engaged I've already got one team that made the national championship. I had uh, four teams. We went down and competed at Lake of the Pines in East Texas. And uh, one of my teams never been to the lake ever. They uh, finished third, which the top four got to go to the national championship uh, up in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So I I'm loving it. I'm, I'm really eating it up. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So I imagine everybody wanted to be on your team. I mean, so when you started up, you got 50, 50 people. So it's pretty cool. You know, I'm not just teaching them fishing. Like, you know, we, we have a speaker, like I have lots of speakers come in, but I also have a speaker with a microphone. I'm teaching them to speak. Uh, we've got a couple of different social media channels, you know, around the fishing team. Uh, we, we've got a YouTube channel. We're fixing to unveil um, where a kid can, He's going to learn how to video. He's going to learn how to edit. He's going to learn how to speak. He's going to learn how to market through these different avenues. So it's just not all about fishing. You know, we're going to, I'm going to try to teach him as much as I possibly can about the entire industry. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good thought because, um, you know, we talk a lot about mentorship on this podcast and, and conservation and all that. But I mean, what was, who were some of your mentors growing up? That's a good one. Uh, you know, I'd have to say, you know, my dad for first and foremost, just for, you know, just always support me and, and the work ethic and, and, uh, you know, always believing in me to, to be able to do what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, uh, Gary Powell is another, you know, guy that really introduced me into, into bass fishing. Um, 
you know, and other than that, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just learning myself, you know, I didn't really have a connection. Uh, you know, I, I guess Sam Rosesky, the guy that owned Bedford sales for 40 or 50 years, he, he taught me a lot about the industry and still to this day is a really, really good friend of mine. Um, um, I, I can't, I, I definitely have to m- mention Sam, but, um, yeah. You know, and then I, I kind of think back to some of my team partners, you know, like Jeff Reynolds. You know, me and Jeff fished all over the country. Uh, a guy from right there at Lake Texoma and, and, you know, really back, he's back into competitive fishing here over the last few years. He made the Bassmaster Classic for multiple years. Just a, a really neat guy, mm-hmm. you know, and Matt Reed, another East Texas guy that I fished a ton with. It's a guide down on Falcon, you know, he would – he would definitely be somebody that that uh, I'm thankful that that I crossed paths with and and got to spend a lot of time with. Yeah, well, that's 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 cool. And and uh, I know those kids that you're teaching there at the high school, you know, really, you know, really look up to you. I'm sure for for that. And but just having the opportunity, you know, to hear from somebody that's had the success and and had a, such a great career um, means a lot. You know, because a lot of these kids don't get a chance, you know, to meet to meet people and interact with people. I mean, we, we have a lot of kids that we take them um, on hunting trips down here through national Wild turkey federation and stuff, you know, we'll make them like submit an essay or something like that. We'll pick yeah. some kids to go on a whitetail hunt or something. And, and just haven't met some of these kids, you know, never been hunting before or some of them may have. And, um, but just being able to provide them a little, little bit of hope and, and motivation for the future be mm-hmm. successful and, and seeing where those kids are now you know i've been around some of them for the last 10 12 years and and uh, seeing them successful and having great careers and it's pretty cool and very rewarding yeah so um really so that's that's good that you're doing that and uh yeah i don't know um who knows what my kids will do i don't know if they'll ever get in, into the competitive fishing side of it but since it's a possibility now you never know so but you uh, know just a little story on that you know i started this whole high school fishing team junior high and high school fishing team not ever thinking that my son would be on it and a little backstory on my son last winter he caught a 12 pound one ounce bass have i ever caught one that big no i've never even caught an 11 pounder and uh, 30 minutes after catching this monumental fish in front of me and his father-in-law and, and uh, his brother-in-law, he's like, Dad, can I go up there and rock hunt on that island? It looks like there's some good rocks there. And I was like, yeah, buddy, you just caught 12-pounder. I don't know how you're going to top it. Well, uh, he's just not into it. I guess he's just like, it's just no big deal to him. Well, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm on the phone talking with the uh, 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 Drury University coach, Rick Emmett, telling me about, I'm telling him about what I want to do. And he's like, well, yeah, I'll recruit your son. You know, when he gets of age, I was like, ah, my son's not going to be on the team. You know, he just, he's not that much into bass fishing. I hang up the phone. He's like, dad, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And uh, for whatever reason, this high school team is lit a fire underneath him. And uh, he's been real competitive. He finished third in the first tournament and uh, he's been fishing hard. So I I am kind of excited. You never know when they might turn the corner. And and I think his son's turned the corner and and now all of a sudden he's liking fishing. So that's cool. That's really cool. So you said y'all want to get with you and we'll get some of the social media for the team up on the links for this show so we can get that out and stuff. And the, um, I know you mentioned YouTube. How's the YouTube channel going? I mean, you, you're putting out a lot of good content these <laughs> days. Where do you find the time for all this? <laughs> you know, I kind of have taken a little break over the last three, four weeks. I just, it's the first time in two years that I haven't put out two pieces of content a week. And uh, it, it's a lot. Like when I say content, it's 10 to 25 minute episodes. 
And, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot to, to, to get it to that point. Uh, you know, it's not just 10 minutes of filming. It could be four, five, six yeah. hours of filming. But I'm enjoying it a lot. It's getting me out on the water. It's uh, it's connecting me with a younger group of fans that, that I hadn't had that connection with and really an older group of fans. There's a lot of a lot of older people on YouTube that I never realized, but um, um, I enjoyed it. It's just it's a way that I can kind of give back to the fans and, and teach them, you know, what I've kind of learned over the last 20 years. Yeah. I never thought I'd see Jimmy Houston on YouTube, but as much as he's on there, you know, and, and trying to get his going and stuff, it's been cool seeing, you know, so many people jump on the, the platform and stuff. And, um, you know, I remember uh, talking back about brigades and stuff. When I first started volunteering with that group, I met a guy named Justin Rackley. Yeah. who is with Guggen Bates yeah. now. And uh, I remember yeah. when he, you know, it was back right after he won the A&M uh, college national championship tournament fishing and and uh was starting guiding over at fork and starting the the lake fork guy tv channel and stuff and and now look at you know he's like one of the biggest youtubers on on the on the platform and stuff and it's just crazy how that's progressed and there's so many people doing it now so it's gotten really really big that's for dang sure it's amazing uh I, I never knew. I never. I, I never like before I started YouTube. I didn't know. I didn't know how big YouTube was, and and it's it's uh you know now when you go somewhere, a lot of people want to talk about YouTube, and I just never realized yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think you know going to like iCast and stuff. Like there's so many, so many people there. You just walk around. There's hundreds of people filming for for content on YouTube and in in these bloggers and stuff now so it's been cool though because i mean that's what everybody's going to for to find out about stuff you know so um it's been uh it's been interesting maybe i'll get more invested with it you know later i mean i've got a channel and everything but i'm right now i just don't have the time to to keep up with it you know like like i need to to make it successful but but um hopefully we'll get there soon so but um well um you know looking back some of the big thing with with fishing industry especially the bass world and stuff is the sponsorships and the people that are behind you supporting you throughout the year and stuff how's it been you know working with bass pro shops i mean that's that's got to be like a dream come true you know working with the name in the industry it's a it's humbling it's a you know when you think about how big it is it's my, I don't, I, you know, for me, I've been with the company 20 years and I still don't fully understand the scope and the, the, the enormous, how enormous the company is. Uh, and then, you know, you have a birthday a few weeks ago and Johnny Morris just picks up the phone and says, Hey man, I want to call and wish you a happy birthday. So it's still a, a, a family run company, which is something that I just, it warms my heart because uh, there's been so many people, you know, through the years come through there and that are still there that, that, uh, you know, they've seen me through good and bad and I've seen them through good and bad, you know, and, uh, it's just, a, it's a, it's just, a, it's family. I don't know how else to say it, but it's just such a cool company, just how much yeah. they give back, you know, just they've given back way more than everybody I know combined salaries of my life. You know, they've put back into conservation. It, it's just, you know, they, they put their money where their mouth is and where they're making their money. They're, they've made this world a greater place for fishing and hunting and, and a lot of other things, which is really, really cool. But um, just a fun store. It's a fun destination to go to, too. I, yeah. I, I'm like a kid in a candy store every time I step into one of those things. Yeah. So was it was it the same for you uh, when you were young? I mean, I mean, that was like a once a year deal going to Springfield when we were Absolutely. little. And I was just Absolutely. like, where are we going? <laughs> 
literally yeah, going to Best Pro all Shops. day there. All day. My parents tried to get me out of there, and I was like, nope, I hadn't seen this corner yet, or nope, I got to go over here, you know. Yeah, and and uh, I remember, you know, I just remember as a kid, that was just, that was the thing. Go to Springfield, and we go to Branson, you know, for a weekend or something, and, yeah. and I'd save all my money up to go buy some worms or some new lures of some kind or a new fishing rod. And, and, um, um, and we just stopped on the way up to Missouri this year. We stopped in Springfield and, uh, took the kids to the store and it's, it's just incredible how much that thing's grown. The wildlife like, museum. Did you guys yeah, do that? We did not get in there. We're going to go this summer. You um, have to go to that. That yeah. is money. Well, well spent. It's 1.6 miles between the, 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 the fish museum and the wildlife museum. You need to do both. It's, it's like the number one in the world. It, it yeah. It's amazing. And, and your kids, like, it'll be one of those things you will have to go to every year. Cause you can't, you can't absorb it all in a, in a three, four hour span. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. I don't have to say, it, but amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to go. I'm going to go where we got a couple of days to spend up there. And I've probably been ten times. Stuff, so, like, wow. I mean, it's just one of those things. My son loves it. Like, we go all the time. Yeah, it's that's really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that and stuff. And uh, um, but man, it's just yeah, that's cool that you you've had such a a good relationship with them and just seeing what Johnny's done and and um. You know, when I was at ICAST this summer, I passed by Johnny was walking down the one of the aisles there with his little group of people from the company. And, you know, he's taking pictures of stuff. And, you know, just sitting there thinking, he's like, man, it's like you've pretty much like started all, all this. And, yeah. and I mean, look what happened from yeah. from opening up a little tackle shop in back of a liquor <laughs> store. <whatever. laughs> like, look what's 1972. happened. <laughs> 1972. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's such a such a cool story so well man um i don't want to keep you all morning but um you know i i, I do want to just tell you you know how much we appreciate you know being a being a role model and being a, such a positive person i know you've got a really strong faith and and um that shows and uh I applaud you for that and and um you know looking back i mean do you ever did you ever really think you'd have such an impact on on just the industry and just in people's yeah. lives and stuff. I still out. don't think I have an impact. You know, I'm just a guy happy to make a living in the outdoor industry, but, uh, that's humbling that, 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 that you feel like I have an impact or that I make an impact on people. Cause you know, I just, I don't know. I'm just thankful to do what I do. Yeah. Well, um, we appreciate you. Appreciate your time and, and uh, really hope you and your family have a great Christmas this year. And, and uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. And uh, maybe we can get you down here and go saltwater fishing sometime. On hey, you say when, so. and I, I will bring my son, and we will be there. We can get on a direct flight to Houston, buddy. Any heck, yeah, man. We're about twenty minutes from the airport. Yep. So, but awesome. well, well, cool, Edwin. Well, I appreciate, it, bud, and we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Okay, thank you, Derek. All right, man. All right, well, that's it for this week's show. Really want to thank Edwin for coming on and, and being on this week's episode. Um, such a great story. Uh, listening to him talk about his career growing up and stuff and what all he's been able to accomplish in his life. And um, um, hopefully, if you haven't yet, um, go ahead and sign up and subscribe to the podcast. We would love that. And if you can, leave a rating and a review. That will really help us out. 
and um, really can't wait to, to get on to our next episodes. We've got some great ones lined up for you. So make sure you stay tuned, and uh, we will catch you on the next show.